And I am joined here, as I am joined here every year, by Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, do you have a tagline for the Birdman movie that we saw this week? Yeah, I do. If Emma Stone spat on my head, I'd fuck it. <laughs> my head. And there's our explicit tag. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Quarter Three Movie Podcast. It's the internet. It's the internet, Jake. Forget about I'm it. Known for any quote. Forget it, Jake. It's, it's internet. The internet. Yeah. Plans Gandalf. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, did you have a backup tagline, or was that your front? Is, is that your front and back? No, nah, that's the only good one. All right, so, improve on it. If I have go. a good one, I don't write an alternate. But then. No, yeah, that's fair enough. I just wanted to give you an opportunity. But, okay, so since since you've got your uh, your awesome Emma Stone spitting one, which uh, I will mm. certainly mull over, um, we can launch right into the <laughs> the IMDb opsis. Oh. Oh, yeah. IMDb opsis for us this week. And if so, did you get it from a listener? Did you get it from no? Did you get it from yourself? The last one. All right, from yourself, well, excellent. People aren't sending them in, by the way. So I think. Um, well, if you would get you yourself, would, if you get your account, you think that's on me? <laughs> I, I totally think it's on you. I know people would tweet you if you had a Twitter account. They would they would send you all kinds of stuff. There was like, a week where they sent a bunch, and then they went, "All right." I think they were all like, uh, "Why did I get married too?" I'm not sending any more of that. Out. All right. Well, what, what was the question? Do I have one? The question was, you know, because for last the, the last several months, we've done something where you do this great reading of one of the IMDb opsies, that those awesome little, like, encapsulations of movies that uh, readers of IMDb write in, that we, that one of our, one of our, re- our early listeners wrote us a, a really great one for Punch Drunk Love, mm-hmm. that we all thought was amazing. And, say, and since then, every now and then you'll read an IMDb opsis for us, and we have to guess what it is. Um, it's not I, that I think my reading of it's good. I just like bad writing. I think it's interesting to me. Like, it's fun to look at. Well, I agree with the second part, and I disagree with the first part, because I think your reading of it is all, always excellent, because I love the way you read. Well. <laughs> and I love bad writing as well. So yeah. I think both of those things work out. I disagree and agree. Well, it is a little weird because it's like I'm reading an opsis someone else wrote, and then I read mine. Like, I'll show you how to do it. And then it's even more. Retarded. Yes, exactly. Okay, so that comes across as deliberate. Good. Not that I. <laughs> All right. I just want no, to be it's, it's our ideas. stupid and not vain. That's yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very, very good. So, what, what is this week's IMDb opsis? <clears throat> this one's for you. Dingus, not you, the listeners, for once. A cat burglar. 
I already know what it is. Fuck. See, that's not good reading. I suck. (laughs) Pretend I didn't do that. Perfect. uh, I should have fallen down. I fucked it up. My favorite line following that be, as one would say, like a cat. But go ahead. Keep going. It's a weird. That's a weird thing to call them too, because cats don't steal jewels, and they don't like tiptoe around, and they don't wear like cat suits. But anyway, well, certainly, I, mean, I think you could think of David Niven as a cat, because I think he's the his whisker. Because he's like the quintessential cat burglar. This is kind of like that Hello Kitty thing I said the other week, where it was like, it turns out that's not a kitty on Hello Kitty. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's no kitty. All right, go ahead. A cat burglar. Remember Catherine Zeta-Jones is the cat burglar? And, uh, I guess you could have thought that this was that, actually. Did I you could have. the Connery movie? What did you say? I forget the name of it. What's that Sean Connery movie? The Entrapment movie? The Entrapment! Thank you. Yeah, uh, the, the reason I think of Entrapment is because in um, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, comma, Live, Die, Repeat, um, she's constantly doing that move from Entrapment yeah, over and butt. over and over again in the movie. And he's doing Connery going, I'm spellbound, or whatever. <laughs> of course, I know this opsis is not that, because uh, Entrapment is not a musical, and the movie you're doing is. Right. But it's a movie I think we both like, and Tom thinks we're idiots on. Kind of like Dread. Yeah, uh, well, I think most of the world agrees with Tom on this. No, I don't think so, because it's got three stars on IMDb, which is pretty high for that, you know what I mean? Just saying. A cat burglar is forced to steal Da Vinci works of art for a world domination plot. Which to me sounds like an awesome movie. <laughs> I don't know what it... It's got songs too, sure. But that just kind of adds... Is that it? Is that the whole plot? No, no. Eddie Hawkins, called Hudson Hawk, has just been released from ten years of prison and is planning to spend the rest of his life honestly. But then the crazy Mayflower couple... But then the crazy Mayflower couple blackmail him to steal some of the works of Leonardo da Vinci. If he refuses, they threaten to kill his friend Tommy. That's the end of that. It ends on a cliffhanger. Remember Kenny Aiello? Yeah. Well, the rest is songs. They can't just put that on IMDb. It's lunacy. Do you remember the, the names of the Mayflowers? Uh, Sandra Bernhardt, and they're not no. a couple, aren't they? Aren't they brother and sister? Yeah, but they were acting all weird. Yeah, of course they were. They're, there's this weird like tongue thing they do. Do you remember their their first names? No, it's been too long. I saw that movie once. When that's the best movie I've ever seen. I'm never going to watch it again. <laughs> we should it. watch it though. We should sneak it into the Mini Pity and Palooza. Oh, time. I would. I would love so love to do that. Yeah, um, you know, their their names are Darwin and Minerva. <laughs> I do remember that now. <laughs> and what I love is and when you read that opsis, that little uh, IMDb opsis thing, he, he, they talk about world domination, and there's there's a line where, where Richard E. Grant as Darwin uh, Mayflower goes, world domination! And he like, <laughs> throws his hands in the air, and there's, and there's like clapping in the background. Oh, man, I love Hudson Hawk so much. <laughs> it's funny, and it's trying some shit, you know what I mean? You'll never it see really it. It really is. I think it's, you know... It's going for pro. Things, it, it just got such criticism, uh, or uh, Bruce Willis got such criticism for being like an egomaniac in making this movie, but I think it's just really swinging it's, for the fences. Yeah, it's way goofy. If, like that, if that's your idea of what a vanity piece is, 
as opposed to um, 12 Years a Slave. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not the best analogy. But... Ouch. But uh, also, I think, you know, and, and I'm so sad that Michael Lehman, who directed it, didn't get more credit for really trying some yeah. weird stuff. Because he had done Heathers, which was this black comedy that that really struck people and mm-hmm. could have been a disaster because it's high school kids and it's making fun of suicide and that kind of thing. Um, and then he tries this musical with this major star that looks like a vanity project but it's genuinely funny it's got some great musical numbers and fantastic weird performances Uh, man I love Hudson Hawk so much I'm glad you did that thank you and it opens in the renaissance yeah a poster Bruce Willis on a (laughs) grappling hook and going okay there's songs coming and then you open with that like and it's have, great to me. Da Vinci painting the Mona Lisa and just like, <laughs> do you remember the gag where wow. he's trying to paint and he's got the portrait and he hasn't painted her mouth yet and she smiles and she's got these horrible teeth and he just goes. Ah. <laughs> I do now. See, you're bringing the whole movie back alive to me. The way that movie brought the Renaissance alive, for kids <laughs> at the time. I remember there were protests. Uh, it is. You know what? We sh- they should just re-release it. So I we would, all. I would so go to see it again. Because I, I didn't see so it. many the friends of mine that I could, I could easily gather a group of friends to go see Hudson Hawk in the theater and just see what an audience thinks of it. Because I didn't get that ch- chance either. Like it was just like, oh, fuck that movie. So like, no one saw it. But then when I saw it later, as a rental, I oh, felt I totally like, went to see it. Oh man, I, I man, that's nineteen ninety one. That was. Oh yeah, yeah. And what was what was that like? I'm really I, don't, I don't remember the experience. I just remember that I went to see it because you know. But was uh, it? I had never. House? I had never watched Moonlighting. I'd never watched that show. Um, but Die Hard totally made me fall for Bruce Willis. So then I, you know, in 1991 when Hudson Hawk came out, I went to see Hudson Hawk, and uh, and I was totally bowled over by how great it was. This time he's trying to get into the building. And That's then I was so disappointed by the fact that it was universally panned. It was treated like this huge flop on yeah. the on the level of uh, Gates of Heaven or whatever that uh, Michael Chimino. Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. Thank you. Uh, it was just treated as this whole oh, as, this, as this terrible debacle, and um, and I thought, boy, I'm really off. I really liked that movie, uh, and I just went around singing uh, the the Swing on a Star song and. Uh, it's the reason why I see debacles now, like now when everyone goes, oh, God, what the fuck were they thinking? It always makes me go, wait, everyone hates MacGruber? <laughs> Nobody hates MacGruber. I'm the only out. one who does. Thanks for bringing the room down. No, it was a huge, it, it was a huge flop. It was? Theater, yeah. Well, every time you bring it up, our listeners are like, oh, yeah, MacGruber, who wouldn't like that? Dingus is an idiot. Just, right, but they discovered it late. Well, you know, I mean, comedy is very subjective. It's there's no right or wrong, Dingus. You're not an idiot. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I, I'm I'm not just saying that. <laughs> I really believe that's true. <laughs> All right. Well, sadly, ladies and gentlemen, we did not see Hudson Hawk this week, or even Porky's Two, for that matter. Uh, this week, instead, <laughs> we saw Birdman. Yeah. Or the unexpected virtue of ignorance. Weeks after it came out, we saw it. Yeah, that's right. Because so box it's office. been carefully rolled out over a series of weeks. So we saw Birdman, a 2014 American drama movie. 
about the difference between truth and dare. Mm. It was directed by Alejandro González Iñárritu and written by him with Nicolás Giacabone and Alexander Denilaris and Armando Bo. It stars Michael Keaton, Emma Stone, oh, God. Naomi Watts, mm-hmm. Andrea Riseborough, Approved. Edward Norton, <laughs> and Merritt Weaver. Which one? Merritt Weaver. Mm. She played basically <clears throat> the uh, stage manager. Oh, uh, yeah. Bird- uh- I, I really, I really love yeah. it. Uh, Birdman is rated R for language throughout, Dumb. some sexual content, and brief violence. <laughs> no, you don't. We shouldn't have a rating system. This is we the do. proof right here. We do. What? I we- cannot. I have to know that I can't take my son to see Birdman. I have to know that. Oh, but, but what? Do you go by the rating? Yeah, of course. You do more research than that. You're a very diligent parent. All right, that's true. I, you know, case. I did. I did go to see Guardians of the Galaxy myself first, and then took my son to it, which is why I've seen that thing three times now. The Dark Knight's the same rating as um, Watership Down, <laughs> <laughs> or Zapped. I think Zapped was PG, wasn't it? Watership Down. I don't know. I'm not All saying right. this makes sense tonight. Sorry. The numbers, fresh off the quarter to three printing press, we just had that installed. Uh, she? It, uh, it, it prints out a whole like sheaf of numbers, then you have to circle all the right numbers, and then our, our staff runs them into my office and slaps them down on the table. I thought it was a clock on a bookcase. Um, not anymore. Nope. And that's, that's, we're not going to talk about that. That's spoiler check. <laughs> no one cares. So Birdman on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, Birdman clocks in at a 94%. Huh. There's always a four. 94, Kelly Wand. Mm. On Metacritic, Metacritic, which is the average ratings from all reviews, Birdman has 89. Oh, that's a huge differential. That's a five-point spread, we call it, in the biz. Max uh, so Landis called the biz. Thanks, Max. We do shots. Yeah. That's a good name for you, Max. Um, so the box office, uh, again, usually, as Kelly Wand uh, said earlier, you were, we're reviewing this movie well after it came out, but this is a, uh, this is a movie that sort of rolls like waves. So, so it, was, it, was, uh, it had some early success at festivals, then it got a, a small release, then it started to get some steam, and now it's gotten a wider and wider release. I still had to go you know, 20 miles away from my home to see it, but, you know, it's getting a wider release. Um, so for box office... I, what? You had to go 20 miles? No, I, I actually just had to go to Sherman Oaks. It wasn't that far away. But, but it's not playing in my area. It's not playing at the same place that Mockingjay, which was oh, the number yeah. one movie this this week. <sighs> Birdman was number nine of all the movie releases this week, which is pretty damn good for this this level movie. Um, for a movie, and and I think they've just been brilliant in the, in the way they've released it, and the way they've marketed it. And I've just heard more and more about how great it is, and it just gets sort of gradually. It's like it's like pond ripples rather than just like throwing an asteroid onto the earth. Um, Although that happens in the movie, it does. Yeah, exactly. So so anyway, uh, the the numbers of this don't really matter um, 
obviously Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 75 was the number one movie this week. Um, but uh, but um, Birdman was number nine, which is really good for a movie of this size and how they've done it. So well, anyway. this is word of mouth screenings because it's like everyone is all all right. We better see it by Thursday because Mockingjay is going to take over every screen. So it's your last chance to get in Birdman. But I think it's cool that we do movies that came out like weeks earlier because then everyone's seen the movie and then they can just go into the podcast. Whereas if we sentence them to see Interstellar. <laughs> sentence. <laughs> By Monday, it's a lot to ask. Plus the other movie, I don't know. Uh, see what well, I'm saying, Dingus? Uh, well, the, well, Interstellar was three, the, number three this week. So, you know. What was two? That he wrote Big Hero 6. Yeah, Big Hero 6 was number two. Uh, but anyway, yeah. all of that said, the numbers aside, Kelly Wand, oh, yeah. are you ready to assail us with some sort of a plot uh, breakdown about this Birdman movie that we saw this week? Yeah. All right. <laughs> what would you call such a thing? Um, I didn't. It's nothing. Really, it doesn't even have a name. Oh, I, it doesn't even exist. Oh. Does it, or does it? Is it just in his mind? I don't know. I just had bird mopsis. Bird mopsis is exactly what I would have called it. It's been—I don't know if I believe that, but it's been. No, like, I, I absolutely was going to say bird mopsis because it has a certain lovely. It has two words that, that make sense. It has. Yeah, I like that bird mopsis. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Plans to find the ring. Stop that. Ah, uh, sorry. Too soon. All right, Bird Mopsis. Michael Keaton's telekinetic and can fly, just like Batman. Tim Burton lives in his head, hectoring him constantly about how they should go back to making Batman movies, but he'd rather do a play by Raymond Carver. I turn to Raymond Carver, sitting beside me, and whisper, That's someone I always keep meaning to read. Michael Keaton's daughter's Emma Stone. I knew it. Her job's to send him angry webcam voicemails like Chastain and Interstellar to tell him the flower shop's out of flowers and hassle him to get a Facebook page, like Dingus. Michael Keaton gets annoyed at a guy reading too loud, so he telekinetically drops a light on the guy's face. No one cares. <laughs> he replaces the guy with Ed Norton, who's kind of a diva, like everybody who's played the Hulk. Crossover alert. Eaton's Batman. Norton's the Hulk. Naomi Watts killed King Kong. And Zach Galifianakis is Keaton's Alfred in this, just like he was Iron Man's in Due Date. The name of the Carver play they're doing is called What We Really Mean When We Talk About What We're Talking About When We Talk About A Guy Shoots Himself at the End. Although I haven't read it, and in Birdman for Keaton's theater troupe seems to be adapting only the last scene, I get the sense it's a rom-com. Most plays are, since there's no vehicles. Kind of like Call of Duty. Norton winds up being a handful, literally. <laughs> you think it was massive? Uh, it made me feel a little inadequate. But I'm not on a stage, Dingus. That's not what's going on right now. I'm not reading on the internet. He angrily breaks character during a preview performance because this theater critic spiked this with water. When he destroys the set, the focus group boos him and throws rotten fruit. But when he finds a chicken leg, they give him a standing O and switch to throwing flowers. 
Emma Stone gets annoyed. I lean over to Neil deGrasse Tyson and whisper, Hey, when my back hurts, <laughs> is that because some asshole's folding space? <laughs> he seems confused by my question, so I demonstrate what I mean by poking a pencil through a piece of paper. <laughs> what if Hathaway had gone? Paper folds? Then I tell him I need to write an opsis, and can I trouble him for something to write on and with? He shushes me and tells me he's, quote, trying to watch the movie, please. I roll my eyes. It's Ferguson all over again. Michael Keaton finds some weed Emma Stone got from rehab, but it's not enough. When she gets bored watching her dad's breakdown, she goes up on the roof and watches nothing. Ed Norton, who uses nothing as part of his process, comes up too. They play truth or dare, but without rules, like November Man's idea of Russian roulette. He's all, I can only get aroused when they're fake. Wait, let me start all over there. He's all, <laughs> I can only get erections when they're fake. See, Dingus, that makes more sense, huh? Yeah. She, she kisses him. He's all, and when your dad's waving a gun in my face, they make out. I lean over to Lance Reddick and whisper, I can only get aroused knowing Emma Stone exists. Michael Keaton takes Ed Norton to the bar the theater critic likes to stand in to talk some sense into him. Ed Norton's all, man acting, huh? Keaton's all, listen, Norton, when I did Mr. Mom on Broadway, Kelly Wan was in the audience and threw this cocktail napkin on stage. That's when I realized I wanted to be a podcaster. Norton looks at the cocktail napkin and goes, it says this beverage isn't what I ordered, white man. P.S. Regarding your acting career, try harder. Signed, QT. I can't make out the rest. Also, this isn't a cocktail napkin. It's rolling paper. Keaton leaves in a huff, then comes back in the same huff, goes up to the theater critic, who's Sissy Spacek, and goes, You critics with your notepads don't know the first thing about writing. She's all, The only good Batman was Affleck. Keaton leaves again. He tricks Ed Norton out of his sunlamp by describing a tool shed. A bunch of stuff on a stage happens. Michael Keaton proves he's a better actor than the Hulk by shooting his nose off. He wakes up in a hospital bed like McConaughey, and actually most characters in Interstellar. Zach Galifianakis is all. <laughs> Why am I? I can't let Interstellar go, even in Birdman. Zach Galifianakis is all. Wait, weren't you aiming at your temple? Anyway, the doctors gave you a new $40,000 prosthesis, but don't get too attached to it. We got 40 performances to go. A newspaper headlines all. Michael Keaton's issues declared savior of Broadway. The end. Very nice. I'm so happy that you're continuing with your uh, Godzilla endus. <laughs> that guy got. He's doing uh, episode eight based on Godzilla. Awesome. So that's my um, show of support for the tribe. All right. Speaking of shows of support. Um, do you want to go first, or shall I go first no. on talking about how we feel about the Birdman? Yeah, because I don't know what I feel about it, so you may have to just go for me. All right, I will. I will go first. Um, boy, I, I I fucking love this movie. I, I'm sorry, freaking love this movie. Uh, I had such a hard time uh, after after immediately after watching it. Um, I didn't know what to think. Uh, I you know uh, I people saying should should i go to see it and i and i said i i don't know 
I, I honestly don't know what to tell you. I need to sit down and write a, write about it for a little while um, because it really upset me. Uh, it really laid me low. I had to drive over and hug my dad and hug my son um, on my wow. way home. Uh, yeah, it, it really, it really, uh, it made me anxious all the way through and thrilled me. But, uh, but you know, after like letting it settle, it, it's a movie that I, you know, I think you have to let settle a little bit, um, unless it just exhilarates you right away. I don't know. My, my theater was full of uh, super uh, much older people than me. Uh, I think yeah, mine too. There was one walker and one wheelchair in my theater. Um, <laughs> people with them, or just the, that was the actual audience. No, they they bought those those uh, the equipment bought tickets. There's an iron lung. <laughs> um, Sushing everybody. Uh, so there's no like clapping afterward and there was there were very few laughs i mean uh, I, I, I call this i call this in the miniopsis just a, a a drama film but you know i think imdb lists it as a comedy and wikipedia talk, talks about it as a dark uh, or a black comedy a dark comedy whatever um uh, there was no almost no laughter in this movie except for when i was laughing and i have a ridiculously loud laugh um but um Processing what it what it means to me, and it's going to take a long time to process a lot of what it means to me and what it what it actually means. I'm pretty crazy about this movie. Um, that quote at the beginning that's in his dressing room—it's a, a thing is a thing, not what is written about it. Mm-hmm. That's a great quote. That really, uh, and the movie—it's like what you're just talking about what labels to call, like whether it's a drama or a comedy. Like it is what it is, and what you said about I don't know if I would recommend I don't know who I'd recommend it to because I still don't know what I feel about it like that's kind of how I feel well you know it's I like it but I wouldn't expect anyone else to necessarily so you you like it but you wouldn't expect other people to yeah all right so I had a really hard time because uh, uh, you know my my girlfriend said uh, should I go see it before I listen to the podcast and at first I was like I don't know because I'm super sensitive about how other people spend their time and I know that other people, if they see a movie that's uh, that's uh, tedious to them, it's 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 important to them that you're wasting my time if you make me watch a movie that I shouldn't see. Uh, and I see I feel that way about just about anybody who asks if I'm going to recommend a movie because it's, it's not that I think is the movie good or bad. I think for you is this going to be a waste right. of time? Or is it going to be worth your time? Because time is so important. Um, so I had to sit there and I had to sort of process for a minute because her time is very important to her uh, for a very good reason. And so I had to think, is this going to be a waste of your time to watch this movie or is it not? Uh, I was going to take my dad to see it, but um, I'm kind of glad I didn't. I think he'll eventually watch it, but it was better for him to spend time with, with his grandson, with my kid. This would have been lost time for him. Um, right. I, I know, for instance, that I can... I can tell Tom, no matter how he ends up feeling about the movie, that it is not going to be a waste of his time. That that I would say, Tom, don't listen to the podcast. Wait to see this movie, and then listen to us prattle on about it. And then you can disagree with us if you want. But I know it's not going to be a waste of your time. So I know exactly what you mean when you say you don't know who to recommend this movie to. Well, anyone who likes, who's interested in acting, I think would like it. So I would definitely say what you like, Tom. It, like Tom is probably the only friend I think I'd say 
you'll definitely like it. Well, what, do you know any other of this guy's movie, of, of Inyaritu's movies? Yeah, um, 21 Grams. I didn't see that one. I'm curious about Beautiful, actually. I, I tried watching Beautiful at the beginning it, of this week. I got about halfway through it. It's so depressing. Uh, okay. and, I, and it ended up on my list that year, but it was just too depressing to watch. Uh, oh, you saw it last year? Or you tried to watch it last year? It was actually, I think, three years ago, and it wound up on my list. It's one of the last movies I saw that year. It's an incredibly well-made movie, but right now it's just too depressing to watch. Hmm. Um, I'd probably like that. You might. That's my uh, But it was just, uh, you know, I, again, I watched most of it, but it was just, uh, you know, it's it was just too depressing. And, and Babel. Babel did not work for me at all. Uh, eh, I don't know. I kind of liked it as a museum piece, but I had I just having trouble getting engaged in the characters, I guess. Because it's not about that, in a way. I thought, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But this is like, or this is original material that they wrote, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and yeah I, it's interesting. And I, I just think it's, it's a fascinating... Okay, let me go off in, in a different direction right now. Uh, when's the last time you saw Michael Keaton's Batman movie? Oh, God. At least 10 years ago and felt the same way I did, like, in 80-whatever. Just like, I think it's just because you guys just want to see a Batman movie that you want to like it. Uh, do, you mem- do you remember liking it at the time? Uh, yeah, I don't think I ever liked it. I remember breaking up with it when... Um, Jack Nicholson dances to Prince, but I remember kind of liking him before he falls into the vat. Well, all that Prince stuff is horrible, I think. I, you know, it's on Netflix Instant, so I did watch it again this week just to just on a lark. I was just gonna I'm gonna like watch part of it. Um, it's much better than I remember. Much. Better. I remember liking the part with the sandwich tray. <laughs> I yeah. Like that part. Yeah. Wait, you like the whole movie though? I definitely don't. I remember hating the Kim Basinger character. Oh, she's terrible. She's, she's, she's like a total hoe. She's absolutely horrible, and I and I I've never really liked her, and I never understood the whole LA Confidential thing. I've never gotten her at all. Um, uh, yeah, she's terrible, that. but but he but Michael Keaton's really good in it. Um, Jack Nicholson's better than I remember. I remember kind of hating him, kind of post Heath Ledger. Um, and just overall thinking it was a light, cartoony movie, but it's much darker and heavier than I remember. Uh, it's a much better movie than I remember. Um, and it was so great to watch it after seeing Birdman and wonder how much of that they were playing with as they were structuring this character for Michael Keaton, because there is sort of a meta quality to this, obviously. Right. Um, and so having said all of that... Um, what do you think about sort of the the structure of his character in particular in this movie? Because like um, I'm I'm building towards something in, in just a second, but I I just wanted to ask what what you think about this idea of we're going to cast Michael Keaton in this particular character. We're going to call him Birdman. The word Birdman is thrown out several times in the Batman movie. Um, and I think, yeah, yeah, it's like, hey, Junior Birdman, do do do. Um, so, huh. so uh, it, it's obvious that they're going for a specific thing, and they're doing it with Michael Keaton. And do you think that works here? 
Well, it's hard to picture it working without him. I mean, we wouldn't have that same reference point. I'm assuming the role was written for him. I have no idea if it was, but I have to believe you're right. But then we also have to go, okay, and then is Michael Keaton this guy who's be, who would be mounting a Carver play right now, and Emma Stone would be his daughter? Like, is all that part of the Michael Keaton? Is that all what comes of having been in a Batman movie? Well, I don't think it's specific to him, because I think he's got a pretty good life of right, his own. Right, exactly. I, but I think it's it's launching off of that. But he, there's that line about how Robert Downey Jr. is pulling in money hand over fist, like money right. still matters to him. Right. Um, but then, I, you know, it worked for me. I mean, the telekinesis, is that like an actor zen thing? <laughs> oh, I didn't think of that. What do you mean by that? Well, the first time we see him, he's doing a he's doing a um, fountain esque. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I thought of that too. I'm yeah. glad you said that when he's levitating the there. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I go, oh, that's interesting. Um, do other people see that? And then it kind of goes back and forth on that. I don't. I, it's I liked it the same way I liked Foxcatcher. Like I was, I just like I said, acting is an interesting thing to watch. The same way bad writing is interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, I like I don't, you know. Remember when I said Keith, Keith <laughs> Keanu Reeves in John Wick was better than McConaughey in Interstellar? Yeah. See, I don't know what good acting is necessarily because there's acting you don't really oh, know. Stop! You're a smart guy and you you're a great writer and you know exactly what good acting is. No, no, but I'm saying in, in like a Keaton pro. I'm saying in terms of the movie, in terms of this movie in particular, in in Birdman, like. Is Keaton a better actor than Ed Norton's character, or is Michael Keaton like a lame actor? Is he playing? A, is his character supposed to be a bad actor who, like, is kind of like uh, what's his name in Moneyball, Brad Pitt's character, where he could have been great, but he, it turned out he didn't have the stuff after all. Well, what do you think? I think there's a lot of layers there, and so so what do you think? Uh, well, what do no, you think, Norton. Kelly Wand? What do you think? Uh, you know, because because you're you're absolutely right. Uh, there's there's several different layers there. There's there's Michael Keaton that we're supposed to watch acting against Edward Norton, and then we're supposed to also be seeing Riggin acting against Mike on stage, and then we're also supposed to evaluate how both of those actors are dealing with the different layers in the play. So, how do you think that plays out? I don't know because we don't get to see much of the actual play. Um... Like, we see more of Keaton, like, his character than the character. Like, I don't really get to see enough of the play to make that judgment. But we, it, we're told it's a success. But, but you, get to see, you, get to see, you get to see, a, like, the same scene, um, th- like, a few different times. And I think that's an important aspect. It is. But Go ahead. Not, well, not having seen that play in particular, like, I'm not familiar with Carver. So there might be a lot of connections with that actual play in particular that I'm not getting. They're lost on me. Well, it's not an actual play, so oh, it's the, not. The, the thing I was <laughs> really the thing I was going to lead into. I mean, do, what I was going to ask you: uh, Have you read the the Carver short story? Um, what we talk about when we talk about love? No. Okay. Have you uh, do you, have you read any Raymond Carver? Do you know no. that dude? All right. I have, uh, um, that, that that really doesn't matter. I mean, I mean, I've read very little of him. I mean, I know he's one of Tom's favorite writers, so there's there's plenty of that here available to me. So I read, I got to read a little bit of it this week. Um, so, it, the, so whether or not you read it does not matter. 
Really? Uh, okay. The source material does not matter. What I, what I think does matter and what I think that you will be able to speak to because I think you are a really good writer. Um, do you think this is supposed to be a well-written play and a well-staged play? I mean, staging may, might not be something you can speak to, but do you think it's supposed to be a well-written play? Yeah. I yeah, think I it, agree with it's you. Given, yeah. it was, we're supposed to take for granted that it's a well-written play. Well, but because it's written by Michael. It's written by Michael Keaton's character Rigantana, who who is who. This is the first time he's doing this, so I don't right. think we're supposed to take that for granted. But Norton, Norton knows the the thing already, which is how I thought he's just familiar with. I don't know. He yeah, he had a line where he said he'd read Keaton's version of it, but he talks about it. He never like criticizes the writing. His character. I, I think he does, but I think that's because he's kind of a blowhard. But that's that's sort he of. He criticizes the staging. He doesn't criticize. I don't remember him criticizing the writing. Like, but you mean the his dialogue? Well, I think he he criticizes. I mean, he 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 knows the lines because he's run the lines so many times with his girlfriend or with, with his wife. So that means he uh, must like it enough to do it because he seems like a man of. But but he's also he he's also sort of criticizing uh, Riggin for not understanding who, what what the play is about and who Raymond Carver was. And, but he's also kind of a blowhard. But, sure. But whatever the actor is playing with on stage, and that's what's so wonderful about this movie because there's so many different layers to it, I was just curious whether you thought it was – we're supposed to t- – the takeaway for us as audience members in the movie audience, not the theater audience, are supposed to think it's a well-written play. I think we're supposed to. I think you're right. I definitely think you're right. But then, when she when he gets his review at the end of the movie, is she would she have given that same review if he hadn't shot himself? Uh, what, what do you think? I don't know. <laughs> I could believe either scenario. I kind of uh, thought that was going to happen after the encounter in the bar with her. Like I started, I started to kind of okay. Don't you think the movie is rolling toward that moment as like a freight train and it can go in either one of two ways? He either actually kills himself or does the thing that they're talking about the Ed character within the play. They're talking about the guy like shooting himself in the mouth and getting even that wrong. So either either Riggins character is going to actually kill himself or or fuck it up. So that's sort of the thing that you're going for in that last scene. I mean, like a freight train, you know he's going to take a real gun on stage, right? The way Ed Norton shot himself in the mouth in Fight Club, huh? Yeah, exactly. And that's something that uh, that uh, I was talking to Fire this, uh, this early this evening. She brought the exact same thing, and it's not, not something I had remotely even thought of. And, and so... Could be unconscious, but it doesn't make it... it that might be an unconscious uh, similarity. But no, it's, still, it's, it's fine if it is, but it's an yeah. exciting connection to me. Yeah. Because it, because if you think about the, for me the the things that happen between those two different characters, because uh, what happens to Ed Norton in Fight Club when he does that he eliminates that other part of himself right, right? but in in this movie in Birdman I think that he unites those that's part of the process of uniting those parts of himself right so Norton's his psyche. No, uh, it's it, you know, it, 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 the Keaton's the Keaton character is. Uh, you know, I'm kind of talking about the Birdman as sort of a. Um, uh, oh, jeez, what's what's metaphor? That? Well, what's uh, what's the Ed Norton? What's the uh, the uh, the Fight Club character is 
Uh, Kaiser Soze. Trouba Capote. What's his name? Justin Durden. Tyler Durden. Tyler. Tyler Durden. Justin, ew. That he eliminates. But the Birdman character here, because of, I think, what happens in the final shot, I think he's united it. I think it's a different thing that happens here. And you mean in the hospital? Yeah. I think that, that, that what I love about thinking about this now that, you know, you... The, the two of you brought up Fight Club and made me think about that is 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 how these two characters these these twin like separated characters either eliminate or unite and and, and they're playing versions of themselves right or what we know what we know them from from form <laughs> um, so should we talk about um, the uh, but Emma Stone's not playing Lindsay Lohan no certainly not okay. Should we talk about in Birdman the and, and I don't know whether to call it magical realism or what to talk about it? Should we talk about his whether or not he has powers or not in Birdman? Uh, you know, is that interesting to you to talk about? Um, no, not interesting you to talk about. Well, I mean, do you have me, an opinion about it? I don't have an opinion, but I'd I'd like to hear yours. I just don't have a strong opinion either way. I'm agnostic at. Like about just, whether, whether or not whether or not the movie has an opinion about his powers, whether, whether whether the filmmakers are trying to tell us he has powers or doesn't. Right. It's ambiguous because other people react to them. Well, but they, they don't. don't. React. They they Someone? react. They react in his imagination early on. Now the guy on the roof, and yeah, but, but he's always there in that shot. When that, when that guy is reacting, you always get to see a reaction of, there he is flying around, there he is flying around, there he is flying around. And that whole sequence ends at the cab, with a, at the back of the cab where the cab driver is, why hasn't he paid me? So that's clearly the filmmaker saying this is all in his but mind. he does not. He does. But at the end, oh, he does have them. You mean... Wait, which one is it? <laughs> he gets to the. We see that he's a, he's getting out of a cab, so he didn't fly. I thought that that it's right, deep right. that he doesn't. And, have. and I think there's another clue early on that he does not have these powers that they're all in his brain. It's a it's that scene where he's trashing his um, dressing room and he's throwing things against the wall and he smashes the poster, and then Jack uh, Zach Galifianakis comes in and when you see from Zach's or Jack Jack's the name of the character. You see, from his point of view, Michael Keaton's character, Riggin, is actually smashing things with his hand. He's actually taking down the amps and throwing them against the wall. What about the light and the... But he's doing all of this physically once somebody else is in the room. He's doing all of it physically. Yeah, but he didn't hit that dude with a light. He didn't, like, throw the light at him in the beginning. Well, that, that, that I think, is supposed to be sort of a coincidence. Um, really? Yeah, I really do. I really do think that that both of these things are true. That that through the through the middle, the, through most of the movie, he's he's doing all of this stuff and thinking it. All that flying stuff is all that stuff is just his imagination. Because obviously, the city isn't being destroyed. Um, none of that stuff is happening. It's just the guy. The guy does get brained by a light because he gets someone hand. Uh, Zach or someone hands him the invoice at the end or the lawsuit thing. Right, and and that's the moment where Reagan believes, oh, I did that. 
because he is so upset with this actor that he's hired that is the total wrong, the worst actor he could have possibly hired. He looks up and this thing happens and he and he gets up and he says, I did that. And then he does these things in his dressing room where he throws the flowers and he breaks some things. But I think those things are all, as the movie develops, those things are in his head. But I think at the very end, the very last moment, what has happened is that this imaginary character that he's carried with him and him have melded into this weird supernatural moment so that something else happens so that he does he like acquires those powers somehow but i think the rest of the movie i think in in yaratu is trying to show us these are awesome looking things but they're in his head don't you think that well, I thought when he shoots the nose off, he got rid of that the same way Norton got rid of Tyler Durden. Yeah, but uh, uh, except that I think instead of getting rid of it, he um, he melded it because if you look at the Do way we... that, if you look at the way his nose looks, and it looks like a bird beak, and and you see the bird man like sitting on the toilet behind him, and I think that there's a look that he looks at himself in the mirror and you look at the way the nose looks, it looks very much like the Birdman nose. And I think that what that moment has done has somehow weirdly uh, melded those two personas together so that something else happens. So that something magical happens, I think. Uh, but that's not the same nose as Corell's in Foxcatcher. Oh, thank goodness it is not. One's Golden Eagle, the other one's Birdman. <laughs> Do you hear Birdman's voice when he's on the toilet at the end? Because I can't no. remember. No, he's just sitting there. You just see him. So, okay. That does support your theory. I don't know. It's, it, it, it's been going over and over and over this. And, and I, 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 I honestly think... I honestly think that that whether or not, and I and I imagine because I obviously haven't read any reviews, I imagine the whether he thinks he has power, whether there are powers or not, it's going to be the most um, talked about thing in a lot of reviews. And I probably I think that's probably the least interesting thing about this. Movie. All right, here's what it is. I think it's like he was once famous for playing a superhero, but he has this power that they don't recognize or see, even though it's like even better than what a superhero has. Hmm. Like, yeah. I'm the real superhero. With my acting. <laughs> that's what's well, going I, Well, I think, I think that you're kind of on the right track, because I think that... I'll take honest, it. Honesty and truth are such important themes in this movie that yeah. getting to that point where he, he understands... Um, the point of his existence on this earth and and finally does something honest on stage and in life that he becomes almost I don't know actuated you know self actuated yeah. it's interesting that you don't see norton's reaction to that to what I mean, to him shooting himself. like you never I know see isn't that amazing that. yeah there's no even though you'd think that would be the first person who'd go, oh, so he was listening to what I was saying. Right. Well, I, I'm so or glad you brought that up. Or, yeah. do, do you think um, – well, there's, there's two things I want to I ask you about. Uh, not I guess it doesn't matter. What would you say? Maybe that's – like it's, it's, it's not about that character anymore. 
I don't know if that's if that's the case. Maybe is the, is is the only part that's not Keaton, or it's like it could it's like his viewpoint is when Emma Stone and um, Ed Norton are on the roof. Is that the only scene without Keaton? No, there's a lot of them. Um, okay, and, and actually, you bring up a really good point uh, because this movie. Um, it's all one shot, kind of. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah, yeah, it does this sort of one-shot thing. I mean, it, it's not trying to, I mean... Is he I, trying to out-Quarad? What's that cinematographer? It's that same guy, right? Who? What do you mean? Never mind, keep going. The guy I, from True Detective? No, no, no. The guy who shot... Gravity shot this Gravity, Quran, all right. Um, no, no, no. Not, not that. Never mind, go on. This movie does do this. This it plays with this thing that that it it's it's playing with a conceit of being one take, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it but it's obvious that it's not, and it tells us that. I mean, In- Inyaritu tells us that at a couple key points. Uh, he he's doing this this thing where it feels like um, the camera is just moving seamlessly from from moment to moment. There's not a cut in the movie. Right. Lubezki, that's the cinematographer's name. Oh, good. Emmanuel right. Lubezki. Yeah, Very, yeah. right. Very good. Very good. Okay. Um, Mexico. But obviously that's not what's going on, and Inyaratu lets us know that in that in that uh, transition after the first ledge scene where the camera tilts up to the building and we watch all the lights go off and the and the and the sun and the and the sky go from dark to light. Mm-hmm. Time so, lapse. Uh, Obviously, there's a time lapse there, and, he, and he, what he's telling us is, look, I'm not pretending that I'm doing a one-take movie, but I'm using this technique for a reason. And so every scene is, is, is character. It's, 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 it's handing us as an audience off from character to character, as if we were like a baton in a relay race. So you'll have a scene... Um, a character a will play. into that scene, or a play. Yeah, exactly. And it, unlike in a, in in a normal scripted movie where we cut and the character who isn't in that scene suddenly ceases to exist for us, like object permanence, we're handed off to the next character to take us into their scene, mm-hmm. and it's and it just flows. It's like we we are an active part of this storytelling process. Like we're the audience, and we're it feels like. We're being handed from character to character to character, and so you know when we get up to that ledge, we've been we've been passed off in, from Michael Keaton like a few minutes before to get up to that moment, and then we might have a transition to daytime, and then we'll be passed from somebody to somebody to somebody else, and it, and it just feels like this natural flow of of character, and it feels like as an audience member, like you're an active part of it. Well, or I don't know. I felt more like a voyeur. Um, oh, what do you mean by that? Well, I wasn't affecting anything, but I was wondering what Alma Stone was doing up on the roof, just like at about that same time. Hmm. Um, that's actually interesting to me. <laughs> no, it is because I, I was thinking of this thing that um, I definitely didn't feel like a participant. Although I, well, I did, and, and this is this well, is one of these 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 uh, debates or this this discussion I had this with, with this friend of mine, Aaron, like years ago. It's like uh, like when you're when you're sitting watching uh, a theatrical performance, you're a part of it as an audience member. You affect it. 
your your energy affects what's going on on stage. That's true. And you see He's that happen they in wait. this movie. You see that happen in the audience. Um, you you affect it. If you're if you're engaged in the performance, the the performance the performers feed off of that. There was this one play called Tamara. I remember seeing, and it was like. It was set in this house, and you could like go in, into different rooms and like follow whichever characters you wanted, but they were all doing it at the same time. Yeah, it's like you were you're like picking where your attention was going to be. Have so, you ever have you ever seen a play like in a little small like black box theater? Uh, what do you mean? But yeah, like a little tiny little theater, like ninety nine seat theater. Yeah, smaller, like a like a little tiny theater. Yeah, it's cool. Where the actors could like reach out and like touch you. Yeah. You feel like you're a part of what they're doing, and you, you affect their performance. You're you're an active participant in what they're doing, and and what they do on stage is related to what you're feeling at that moment. And if you're texting, or if you're not paying attention, or if you're laughing, they feed off of your energy. Yeah. Um. It that that's impossible when watching a movie, and yet I feel like Inyaratu makes me feel like. I'm a part of the movie. It makes makes me feel like I'm taking you with me, and your attention is important because I'm going to bring you from scene to scene. I'm bringing you physically from scene to scene with these actors. I know. Yeah, well, and you're no, no, but yeah, you're also seeing the audience. Like you're not a member of the audience because you see them in the shot, and you're following the actors, and you're around backstage where they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good Standing point. I didn't inside, even think of that. You're inside the rope. Um, yeah. I mean, that that kind of stuff's interesting to me. Like that's, I kind of miss the theater because there was that live wire. Like I loved when shit went wrong <laughs> when I had to play. Isn't that awesome? In the beginning, in that first preview, in uh, in that first scene where Edward Norton's mad that he took away his gin. Yeah. All right, so he has the chicken leg. Like, why is the chicken leg in there? Well, and then the other preview is he. The guy comes in his underwear from outside. Keaton gets right. locked out. Right. But that shit was always happening, I remember. Usually when if the cast knew a critic was around that night, they keep banging into shit, is what I noticed. <laughs> uh, do you... Uh, uh, what's your favorite performance in this movie? What, what do you think is the best performance? What do you think is the most honest performance in this movie? Because I think honesty is a huge part of this movie. Honesty and fear. But what do you think is the most honest and the best performance in this movie for you? Uh, I think Keaton's. Oh, really? I like, yeah, but I really liked Emma Stone in her little her outburst scene, where you don't see his reaction. Mm-hmm. The whole shot, I like that part. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm sorry to cut you off again, but no, when no, you no. talked about Edward Norton not reacting to him, that scene where where she's having her outburst and we don't see one thing that Riggin is doing is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and then also her face changes, expressions. Yeah. And is she doing that because of she sees something in his face? And when we finally do see his face, it looks a little more placid than we'd expect. Mm-hmm. And then he sparks up. <laughs> I guess it all works out. But that, that, felt like, that scene felt like that's how fathers and daughters probably talk when they're sick of each other. That seemed like a real scene to me yeah but but it also is like you know she's talking to us as well because she's saying you know you're not important get over it 
Yeah. Um, but I, I love that they don't show him and that you, we just get to like dwell on her. And then she moves around the side of the, that little bar that she's make, marking on her toilet paper. And she just looks at him and goes, Dad. And then she leaves. I love that scene. I'm so glad you brought that yeah. up. Okay, she's my favorite performance. But also, it's like when she's, li- like you said, it's like she's looking right out at the audience saying all that. So we're Keaton. And but she's when she says, like, you don't even have a Facebook page. Like it's Emma Stone lecturing me personally on that, and not just you. <laughs> so I did feel a little daunted. All right. Fair enough. Uh, That's what I'd, Emma Stone would say to me. Juan, you don't even have a Facebook page. Okay, what? I would say that that's a perfect way to put it. Um, I like yeah. Norton's character too, but I always like those kind of characters. Those like really I, committed, like Robert Downey Jr. and Tropic Thunder right, yeah. kind of dudes. What were you going to say? I, just, I, I haven't seen Tropic Thunder, but I just love the way he comes in that first scene. You didn't see uh, Tropic Thunder? I did not see Tropic Thunder. Oh, it's really good just for him. He's, wait, that's surprising to me. You just blunder into it, even. Uh, what did you think of Amy Watts? And um, uh, I'm nuts over Amy Watts. I mean, she was in this this great. Uh, she was she was really good in this movie that I brought up, like at the end of one of our list movies. I can't remember the name. Of it. It's like called Perfect Mothers or something. Perfect Mothers. But not called that. The the actual. It's called a door. I think a door. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she and. Um, uh, Robin Wright uh, are so good in it as these mothers um, and their sons are just so not up to their par. Although James Freshville is one of the sons, I think, and he's pretty good. Um, but the two of them are so good and, and I just have such uh, I have such good feelings for her and I, I just think she's, she's great. But for me, Edward Norton just knocks my socks off. Yeah, that, that first scene where he comes in there and he's just the way he's playing it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Dude. Pages. It's, like, it's like fuck me hard. Yeah. Dude, don't 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 worry about the lines. That kind of stuff. Uh, I really really love that stuff. But I'm sort of geared to love that weird actor stuff, like on stage and let's do it honestly and and the the contrast and and how one of the things I love about this movie is that it's constantly breaking my expectation. Where like at the in the opening rehearsal scene, I'm thinking I, I don't know who Michael Keaton is yet because I haven't seen any. Like previews or anything, uh, so I just think he's this expert director, and he's trying to direct these three actors at the table. And this this one guy is terrible, Ralph. He's terrible at what he's doing. Um, but then when Edward Norton shows up, you get this sense of, oh, he's not a great director because Edward Norton is suddenly handling him. Right. You know, he's saying, drop these lines, forget that. Let's do this. Why aren't you being more honest with me? You know. And I like that this movie constantly kind of does that kind of thing. That we were not supposed to know that he's the writer and co-star until then. Is that what you're saying? Well, well, for, well I didn't. And, you know, there were a lot of things that I didn't get. Oh, I didn't get that either. Well, but I don't know if that was a really an intentional. I, I think the movie is kind of messing with us in, on a variety of levels. I mean, I, I think this movie is going to bear repeat viewings, and I'm just crazy about it. I just, I'm just he's crazy in a dressing room at the beginning, though. No, I am. I'm, I like it too. No, he is in a dressing room, but at the very beginning, he's sitting there and he's levitating. Right. And you just hear – and it looks like, for me, I'm just focusing on the fact that he's levitating. And I hear this weird, gruff voice, how did we get here? This place smells like balls. <laughs> um, and I'm just thinking, oh, he's he's a poor dude in an apart, in a terrible apartment in New York. 
And then eventually we shipped over, and I'm like, oh, wait, no. We're not in an apartment. We're in a dressing room? What? Yeah. And and so the movie was constantly doing that kind of thing to me, where I, where I was thinking something was going on, and it turned out something else was going on. Yeah. Um, and I love the way that the, the, that the, this movie does that to me. That I think something's going on, and even a moment later, it turns out something else is going on. Um, yeah. Discombobulating. So um, I was pretty crazy about this movie. You might not be as crazy about it, but you liked it. I really liked it. Right. So I'm between liked and really liked. All right. I need um, Tom to unpack the hard parts for me. I feel like there's parts that I didn't get. And since if Carver's Tom's favorite writer, like I'd want to hear his favorites, definitely. I want to hear a Carver enthusiast explain the finer points of this movie. Yeah, I would love to hear what what Tom has to say about this because there's so many there's so many things I think to unpack in this movie. You know about truth, about honesty, about fear. We haven't even talked about sort of the nature of existence because he talks about not even being able to exist, and he gets to the end of the movie. Um, so yeah, I would love for Tom to be able, and maybe we'll be able to revisit with him on a, in a few, or yeah. maybe he'll just be like me. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but it, it, so let's let's transition over into our over under. Then, um, do you have an over for this movie? My over would be Schenectady, New York. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> you know why? Why? That's my under. <laughs> what? I uh, yeah. See, I knew you. You're that guy. You're the, the majority guy. of I'm this. also the guy who knows how to pronounce the name of the movie, which is Synecdoche. Say it again. Synecdoche. 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 Say it again. I can't do it. Synecdoche. It's, it's also Synecdoche. that literary term. Um, right. But I knew you were going to choose this as your over. I'm so glad you did. I think uh, that movie's a masterpiece. I know you do. Brilliant. I know. And it's a movie that does not. I do not connect with it at all. It drives me crazy. Why do you love that movie so much? I love everything about it. I love the last line. I love all the lines. I love his acting. I love how you... The same thing you were saying about Birdman, where you, you felt played, but in a good way. Like, ah, you got me. That was a, you, you tricked me into thinking he was a great director. And, oh, no, he's not a good director. Like, that's... Like, New York. I mean, it's just about life. It's about everything, man. All the answers are there. It's 2001, 2.0. Yeah. Everything works about it. Every performance and it's good. Every scene's awesome. <laughs> it's beautiful to look at. I like every joke. I like every burn. What? Yes. You hate it? When did you see it? I saw that movie no, right I after. I don't hate it. I just get so frustrated when I hear... And I, I get frustrated and I want to hear you talk about it. Because I just don't get it. It's just a movie I do not get. It was so frustrating for me to watch um, that I just... It's one of those things I don't get, and I feel like an idiot for not getting it. I feel stupid. Um, it's one of those things. You watch it, and you're like, uh, this movie is smarter than I am. And I love to hear somebody who knows it and loves it talk about it. Well, it's smarter than stupid. me, too. I feel stupid watching it. I can like things that are smarter than me. In fact, most things are, so I have to. But <laughs> I agree I with that statement that I can like things that are smarter than me, but this is this is like uh, – it, it, it kind of exists in – like it went through a black hole and there's a time dilation because I can't, I can't fathom it. It just – it goes beyond me to the point of like you are – dude, you're writing on a level 
of consciousness that I just can't rock. I can't do it. It just doesn't work for me, and I get frustrated and bored, which is sad. And I love hearing you talk about how much you love it. Yeah, it's perfect. It's um, you don't even like the acting in it. You don't like Hoffman's what he's doing in there. Uh, you know, I I like it plenty, but there there's so much other thing. There are so many other things that are barriers to me. Right. And honestly, evaluating the acting, it's like kind of what you said earlier. I don't even know how to evaluate acting outside of writing. Is that I know all these actors know what they're doing, and I trust all of them, but. Whatever they're doing doesn't make any difference to me. You can't decipher it. Because it's like watching something in another language. It really is. Well, yeah, it is. It definitely is. And but it's off his mind. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's like you've been invited to sit inside of his brain. Yeah, <laughs> which to me is a great afternoon. <laughs> That's the love. Ah, nice, smooth, coffee misery. Fucking misery. It's a miserable movie. It's about how miserable, miserable everyone is. I love the creative I, I'm process. I'm so happy that you brought that up. Thank you so much, Kelly. Yeah. God, I can't believe it's like I saw that movie right after Let the Right One In. Like it was a double feature. So I like emerged from that theater just going, Oh God. I'm the worst writer ever. <laughs> That's my takeaway. That's the my side of a good movie. A good an afternoon well spent. <laughs> Does Tom not like that movie too am i like i always feel like i'm the only one who defends that movie um no you're not alone i think i think tom tom isn't as adamant as i am um or he's i shouldn't say adamant or i, I should say as ignorant uh, i think tom recognizes the qualities of it better than i do but neither of us really hooked into it yeah too pretentious for tom Harumph. I, need I don't think I don't think pretentious is right because Tom is fine with pretension. I, I think it was just mm. a, a feeling of like, oh come on, you know. It, it's if he, but if, if Tom thinks he's being gamed with jo- like, hey, you're putting jokes into this serious drama that like I don't, it's like you're you're taking me out of it. Like there's too much uh, artifice. Hmm. That's my. If I can put words in Tom's mouth. That he would oh, say. we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait to hear. I, I know. I know. We've talked about this before on the podcast. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Tom's, said, yeah, but I think his. I think his objection is is more erudite than mine. Mine is just I. I just couldn't get it. Uh, I think for for him it was just like I, I think maybe you're trying too hard. Maybe that's it. Me? So that that no 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 not you. Cough. Oh, um, but but again, let Tom characterize that. So so your over was. Um, Smooth to New York. Synecdoche, New York. My that was my under. What was your under? Uh, Hamlet two. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Okay, it's all right. I don't want to pick on it. But I prefer Birdman to Hamlet two and New York to Birdman. All right, but so I like all like, of them. It was really, really hard for me to choose an over because I loved this movie. Yeah, see, that's once, the thing about. Once I got away from it, I really loved it. It was hard for me at first. I was. I was on the fence. I, just, I like. Am I allowed to love this movie? It, it really hurt me. Was, over under always one of them is tough. It's either the wor- you can't do the under because it's the worst movie ever, or it's the best movie ever. There's no over. Right. So, I took the easy way out. I chose something that I really, really love, uh, and it's kind of along the same lines. And so for the over, and it's kind of marginal, but you know, uh, I'm not sure because I haven't seen this movie in a while. But the over would be the movie adaptation. <laughs> hey, you want Kaufman too? What the fuck? 
That's right. Yeah. You can't oh. knock my. Uh, well, I went a Kaufman over and under, but but I think adaptation is such a brilliant concept of of the creative process and kind of along the lines of what was going on in Birdman um, that it, it, that I I went ahead and went with adaptation. Did you see Human Nature? Uh, no, I didn't. Is that what? Uh, yeah. I want your Dinklage's in it. <laughs> Spoiler alert. You want my Dinklage? All right. I think I like that one more than Adaptation, although I'm not sure why. I think it's just like... It's kind of like this movie. I, it is what it is. I don't even know what Human Nature is. Oh, it's a Charlie Kaufman movie, but directed by Gondry. And um, Reese Iffens is in it, and Tim Robbins. And, um, uh, oh, who's the girl I'm forgetting? Oh, uh, Patricia Arquette. Huh. And there's... Uh, She's covered in hair at one point and naked in a jungle. All right, you got my money. Miranda Otto's in it. Ellen, she's foxy. Oh, holy cats! She's in it. Yeah, she's cute as oh. fuck. It's oh. a really good shit of it. Uh, I know. Yeah. Wait, I, that's what the part. Oh, I should have. I should have led with that then. You never see her in anything. No. It was right around. It was like right before Two Towers, too. She is so hot. I know. She's so delicious, and she she does some funny shit. So you should definitely see it. All right, you got my money. I should should just just let it that, dude. Seriously, Uh, I think we want to see her on things, on stamps. All right. Photoshop myself into the under the. All right. So having done our over under, let us move into our mini. Mini mini penny movie class ah. or mini movie. Um, I have to apologize to everybody. Uh, I didn't think about this last week. I apologize. Uh, I chose after after we watched um, Foxcatcher. Uh, I chose for the movie that we would watch this week and review the movie Goon. Um, what I didn't consider until I watched it and was sitting there watching Goon was that we'd done a whole movie podcast on it. Well, yeah. Wait, you do that? <laughs> I didn't really think about it. I, if I would have thought about it, I would have chosen something else because we've already talked about it. But I kind of thought, well, you know, our listeners didn't get to talk about it. We talked about it, and I. But maybe we have new insights to impart. That we yeah, did. maybe. Um, it's been a couple of years since I since I'd seen I seen it, I guess. <laughs> um, and I love Goon so much. Yeah, it holds up. Totally holds up. Nevertheless, I, sh- I shouldn't choose something that we've already done for the No, party. no, no, because remember your reason was Foxcatcher was such a fucking bummer. Let's watch a sports movie, I guess was your kind of tenuous connection. But like, let's watch something that'll cheer us up. Like, let's right. purge the, the bad vibes and put in the warm fuzzies. And like, Goon's like a feel good movie. All right, yeah, I, did, I guess I didn't. I don't remember like saying that. that. I just feel guilty about choosing something oh. we didn't talk about. So uh, we, we, we went ahead and did Goon. Um, this week for the mini penny movie club of Palooza. Um, so Kelly, what are your thoughts on Goon? Here's the thing: the, the other reason it's good is like now we're urging it on people that may not have listened to that podcast, or because we've come a long way since the Goon podcast. So it's like now we're making people watch Goon who otherwise wouldn't have. So we're right, doing and they could they could go back and revisit the Goon podcast and get to hear Tom talk about it too, which yeah. would be awesome. But I thought when I like before I, I I did rewatch it, but I was thinking like, wait, I've already seen this, so I don't know what Dingus expects from me, like to say. That I haven't said. 
But then as I was watching it, I was just so enjoying how charming a movie it is and how much dialogue and loopy. It was just good to see it all again. It was like an old friend, an old girlfriend. Can be a big lug. Loopy's in it, and what's his name? Who's the guy who plays Ray, whose name I always forget? Uh, You mean Leif Schreiber? Yeah, Leif Schreiber. I always forget that guy's name for some reason. He's really good at it, and uh, he's really good in it. And and what's funny is that um, over the ensuing years, I've seen him in a number of other movies where I was like, oh, all right, like he's in one of the awful, I think the Wolverine Origins movie, yeah, where, you, where he plays Sabretooth, mm-hmm. and he's fine, but but I've, I've oh. had to watch that movie two or three times because my kid loves that uni- that X Men universe. I'm like, all right, leave, whatever. But then watching him in this. He's really good. Uh, and I'll say that, like, Sean William Scott is now one of my favorite actors because of Goon. And Jay Baruchel is one of my favorite writers because of Goon. <laughs> this is one of my favorite movie characters of all time. He likes, he's so adorable. In Who? This. Uh, Sean William Scott. Oh, okay. Doug. Did you remember, and I didn't remember watching it again, <laughs> that, that it was based on a true story. No, I'd forgotten that completely. I'd totally forgotten that. Were you in Canada when we watched this? Yeah, I was. So I was enraptured with Canada. There's even more going on. There was an athlete, girl. There's a lot going on. Um, <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot that. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't get her to watch it. It was really making me insane. What? She, I, I pretend this, this movie was about you. Come on. It's perfect. Yeah, I know. She, she, it's, it was hard to sculpt her into the ways I needed He's kind of a and he's kind of a girl. I mean, I love. Yeah. Uh, do you he's remember what I said about what I said about his performance when we saw this movie the first time? No. I was. Uh, I I remember saying this, and I'm glad I said it, 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 it. Although it's a little weird. I mean, I wanted him to be nominated for like yeah, best that, actor for this. Right. Um, this, that whole not nominating people because for comedy that shit's got to just stop. I wish it would because for so me. Sick. And I, I think I said this, but I'm not sure I said it on the podcast. I said something about how how much I loved this performance and even linked it to um, Peter Sellers as Chauncey Gardner. I mean, I, yeah. I think I went that far because I love – and <laughs> I've never seen Sean William Scott do anything like this. But he's so lovable and likable but still has this sort of weird gravity to him, but it's just so earnest and uh, – and real and honest. I, I, I watching it say, again. The way he carried himself, that he can't skate. Oh, yeah. the physical, the physical performance is awesome. Yeah, the way he fights is cool. But watching the way that he that he interacts with Allison Pill, mm-hmm. um, when he's falling in love with her, yeah, um, and and just, oh, I am just, I think that is. You know, I don't know what else Sean William Scott's going to do with his career, but he can always look to Goon as this as a masterpiece performance. I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did yeah, this movie not... make money? I mean, are we the only Goon lovers? Oh, well, we're not the only Goon lovers because we have a bunch of listeners who wrote in to talk about Goon. Okay, good. So, uh, so let's go right to them. So first, we're going to talk talk to Peter Haynes. Are you there? Quarter to three. It's me, Margaret. Uh, Goon. <laughs> The Sean William Scott Wall of Meat film to echo Kelly's sentiment, yay. 
Ah. I don't want to say too much over what you have no doubt already recapped on the podcast, except to briefly mention my experience of recently watching this with someone who hadn't seen it before. At the end, Ross Ray, Ross Ray sorry, <clears throat> and Doug Ladd are both in the sin bin waiting for the crowning moment of violence, the climactic bout. The music swells. The tension is building. Ross, the boss, Ray. Ready, kid? Dougie. <laughs> yes. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Adorable. Who does yeah. that? So Peter goes on to say, it's such a wonderful moment, and in the right viewer can manifest that built-up tension, humor, and general goodwill for the character as a massive, couch-rocking guffaw. I know this from personal experience. It's kind of special. One last thing. I think the makeup effects in this film deserve a special mention. The blood, the swollen eyes, the scarring, they did a fine job of making those injuries look tooth-suckingly painful. Uh-huh. Keep up the good work, fellas. You're doing fine. All the best to Tom, Pete. Two things: don't touch my fucking Percocets. And does anybody have any fucking Percocets? Okay. <laughs> I'd forgotten the Russian brothers too, <laughs> and their dick signing fetish, <laughs> and the bus you're all, <laughs> and that, and that, and that. Um, Doug says. My brother's gay, and he doesn't even sign so many things. <laughs> gay, stupid. Gay, stupid. Oh, uh, Peter, thank you very much. That was a great review. So next we have Dave Perkins. Mm. Dave usually gives us a, a, a review of a movie that he saw instead of the movie that we suggested. I saw Interstellar again. But this time Dave says, I did it. I saw the movie you actually asked us to watch. I saw Goon. Hmm. Uh, I wonder if there's a woman in the world who would have put this movie on their top ten list. Fortunately, I'm a guy. I can't skate any better than a giraffe. <laughs> and I've never watched a hockey game. But like what? They, Come on. Hockey's awesome. You can score accidentally. It's fucked up. <laughs> but like they say about Moneyball, you don't have to love hockey to enjoy Goon. I was hoping for a surprise at the end, not just a bloody go-get-him-kid grin after the climactic fight, but what the hell. Halifax made the playoffs, and that's why we watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly, this is Dave still talking. Kelly, can't believe you didn't put a movie with the line, take the number 69, it's hilarious, as your number one movie of the year. <laughs> oh, he's holding that against you. I hold it against me, too. He's right. What did I pick, though? It wasn't King's Speech year. No, it was you picked, else you pick, like, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man or something? No, that was 10. I was going to do that to fuck with you. Um, Maybe uh, it was Shelter. No, I think you... I don't know. We'll have to look that up. We'll have to ask the uh, the quarter three research department to look that up. <sighs> Goon should have been... Goon's my favorite movie of all time. Okay, go on. So Dave says... After uh, shit in New York. But you still make me want to stop sleeping with a bunch of guys. <laughs> very, happy to, very happy to have watched Goon Dingus. Many thanks. Hey. Oh. <laughs> well, I did suggest it. Uh, next, we have Simon Esders. Hey, folks. Fortunately, my internet has been pretty spotty these last few weeks, which is the reason why I couldn't write in about how much I love how terrible everything in Dark Star is. <laughs> Sorry, Kelly. How terrible? Uh, is that what he said? That's what he says. I think he says it in a delightful way. Because he says, Sorry, Kelly, with an exclamation point. I think he's being lighthearted. So Simon goes on to say, It's also the reason why I was unable to watch more than the first 10 minutes of Goon. So I don't really have much to add to the conversation except that. <laughs> 
While so far, I'm not entirely convinced by either the writing or Sean William Scott's performance plays like the most excruciatingly annoying character, his best friend Pat. What? Is a pretty good way to make him seem more sympathetic to the audience by contrast. Also, the exchange, so Doug, what college did you go to? Uh, actually, I bounce. Like a basketball? Made me chuckle. So I guess it's not all bad. Wait, and Michael Birdman, Simon Esters. Terrible. Dark Star is terrible. Like, they have terrible lives. So I'll give him that. But Goon, he quit after 10 minutes? He couldn't because of his internet connection. I think he's having uh, his Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. I think he's having his way with us. <sighs> Next, we have Chris Markinson. Ah. Uh, hey, mini movie club of Palooza. This is Mark Wack. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Sean William Scott playing a character that is actually really likable was great. I also enjoyed Alison Pill, and I wish the two of them would have had a little more screen time together and maybe 20% less Jay Baruchel. Well, <laughs> he has to win her, so they can't. Well, I really like Jay I, You know, this is me talking. I really like Jay Baruchel. I mean, yeah. Plus, he wrote the thing. Yeah, I mean, and, I, right. I like him. I, well, he's you know. the annoying friend character. Like, that's what makes... It's what the last listener said mockingly. It's like it makes Sean Williams Scott look more sympathetic, but that's the thing. They're friends. I don't know. It makes them look... Right. I think he's... more of his character for being friends with Sean William Scott. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At least he's not in the movie as much as the cops are in uh, Superbad. All right, so back to Chris. Uh, There's some really over-the-top violence that was plain fun to watch, but I liked how they also mixed in some real hockey culture into the movie as well. Uh, Chris is from Canada, I should say. Mm. Um... The fighters asking each other if they want to fight is not uncommon, and I really, really loved when Dave wiped the logo in the middle of the dressing room clean after it had been stepped on. That logo should be something sacred to the team, and it said a lot about the character that he cleaned it off. I loved when Eva breaks up with her boyfriend and she's crying, and Doug asks her if she's just seen Rudy. <laughs> That's pretty adorbs. <laughs> it's adorbs. <laughs> Thanks for listening to me, guys, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> See, Canadian. I was talking to a chicken. She go. I go. She goes. Canadians are better than us, huh? And I went. Yeah. I go. Except Justin Bieber. And then she went. Yeah, but we ruined him. Uh, God, I just saw something where they said Justin Bieber. Was it me? <laughs> no. Like, what if we both had a baby? It would be Justin Bieber. Who? You and me? I don't know. The, the oh, other movie yeah. I watched this week was Paper Man, which has a similar... There, there's sort of a thematic element that's similar to um, Birdman. Um, Title-wise. Yeah, exactly. But also, it's like... Uh, anyway, never mind that. Uh, next, we have Nick D. Hi, guys. Thanks for picking this. I remember you all loving it on the podcast when it came out, but I never got around to seeing it back then. I'm sure you've already talked about how awesome it is to see Sean William Scott drop his typical wisecracking persona for something much sweeter. So instead, I'll talk about how much I loved the sense of place this movie creates. Mm -hmm. I love the little sports bar they hang out in after games. I love Dougie's crappy little apartment. It's Mm -hmm. a pretty great depiction of small-town Canada, and trust me, Halifax feels like a small town even if it is a provincial capital. I also thought the casting was terrific. Kim Coates was obviously having fun. Very good point, Mm -hmm. Nick. And it was a great. It was great to see some familiar Canadian actors. The Canadian entertainment industry is small, 
So up here, we often see the same people show up on TV and local indie films all the time. The wink link for me was Eugene Levy. Yeah, I agree with you, Nick. Yeah. Um, whose casting felt like a bit of a stunt. But hey, if it helped get this movie made, I can forgive it. I, I just cool. pretended he was the same character from American Pie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't think about that. Because I, I erased American Pie from my movie. Yeah. That's long overdue. But also, when you said Paper Man, I was thinking that Michael Keaton was also in The Paper with Glenn Close. Oh. But yeah, it has a great sense of place, uh, Goon. Like, it's just the... And and Doug doesn't mind it. It's like, it's a total... It's like an I Like, whatever tiny little town they're in, like, it's just icy, miserable place. Like, he's still the same guy. He loves it. Doug, loves what he's doing. Doug is a character who is... His his place is wherever he is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter to him what his surroundings are. the 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 point is where he is and what and who is around him and what he has to do. It's not where he is existing. It's what he is doing in existence. Yeah. That's what's great about that character. So if he has a crappy apartment, that makes no difference to him. What matters to him is what he has to do in that environment, and that's what's so great about that character. But Nick's right about that sense of place, I, and yeah. I hadn't thought of that about that. And th- that sort of dovetails into what Chris was saying about that sense of like what the what the logo on the floor means. And, oh yeah, and the hot when at the beginning when they that chick sang, sings the Canadian national anthem, and it's just <laughs> like, well, that was downright treasonous, and we're dropping it. Like that's that is how Canada is. They're like instantly over anything. It's beautiful. They can't right. stay upset. We have one final entry. This is from Fire at QT3. Um, Dear Mini Movie Club, Goon was described to me as a story about male bonding. Christian said it was a love story for dudes. As a gal scientist, I put on my research hat and watched this movie with my nice Jewish mother for research. Boy, was that a mistake. Oh, when the that credits, sounds like a bad idea. When the credits rolled, I suggested we retcon the movie to be about a nice, charming, but dumb accountant instead of a hockey goon. There would be less punching people and more punching calculator buttons. Maybe <laughs> instead of gruesome shots of blood and teeth flying about, it would be pencil leads breaking in slow motion. In my version, you'd keep the nice story about teamwork, respect, brotherhood, and, yes, love. <laughs> Thanks for the podcast and keep up the good work. It sounds like she's. It sounds like she's kind of um, describing how Goon could transmogrify into Punch Drunk Love, actually, or Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. All right, fair enough. Wait, that's what she did. She, but she likes Punch Drunk Love, and that's about a puncher, right? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. But I just, I just like the idea, and I hadn't really. I don't know if I thought of this. How Sean William Scott and Adam Sandler's characters are kind of similar in the way they play them, you know. But if you see a movie like Goon with your mom, like she's not going to get over the language alone. Um, Go again, full on Jay Baruchel. If it's really good, they can. I mean, I you know, the, the, my uh, my ex mother in law is the one who recommended In Bruges to me, and that movie is hyper violent and terrible, terrible language. But she she got. It just cut right through for her, and she's like, "This is a great movie. You need to watch this." So, if it's a really good movie, it can cut through if you're willing to see it. When I was a little tiny kid, I saw Diner with my prudish grandmother, and she made us walk out after the popcorn trick. What? Yeah. Are you kidding? 
Then we saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> <laughs> that one had a story. There was no story. That was the thing. That's what she was upset about. In Diner. <laughs> no story, Dingus. Popcorn trick. No story. Uh, but see, that's what I was saying. It's like that you can't really appreciate the finer points. That, like, it's just not the right crowd. Yeah, it, it depends who you see it with. So she uh, was doing wrong. Like, if she'd seen it with you, you would have been going, look, see? Look how no, I, th- I think Fire does like Goon, um, but I think just watching her with her mom was, was difficult. But I love that, and I don't remember saying this, I love that Fire says that Christian said it was a love story for dudes, because I can imagine me saying that. Mm-hmm. It is. It's a bromance. It's not just a bromance. He's falling in love with her as well. It's, it's Yeah, but it's not about that. <laughs> It's what she said. Well, that's one of Chris's problems with it, is that it should be more about that. Uh, I think Chris said that there should be more... Because they they do have a great chemistry. I mean, Allison Pill and uh, Sean William Scott have a great chemistry together. Yeah, but it's not really what the movie's about. If she was not in it, it would be the same movie. So what would we title the movie that that, uh, Fire Fire has described about an accountant... Who is punching buttons and pushing pencils, and the the leads are flying off? A beautiful fist, a beautiful, a beautiful tap, fist. taps, taps. All right, tapper. Fair enough. Just like the name of the company it works at, like H. Jessma Figgersons Ltd. Like that should be the title. Just keep it simple. <laughs> or like White Autumn. And you see, like, all these paper shredders. All right, fair enough. Or. <laughs> all right, so so I think we've. Uh, thank you to Fire. I love that. I love this paragraph uh, so much. I'm so happy you wrote it in. Um, so, for next week, uh, we're thinking about a mini penny movie club palooza entry that, was, that would have inspired Kelly after watching. Birdman. So, is there something that we can watch this coming week that uh, that we can talk about after we watch next week's movie? Yeah, but if you've seen it, maybe I'll pick something else. I don't mind. You know, I'm one of these people who can watch movies again and again, and I will. Well, you know, sure I did that with uh, with the Dark Star movie. Yeah, I thought that was bad. That was a bad choice, though. Maybe. I don't think so. People it's love watching it again. Eh. I thought it was a great choice. That one guy didn't. He got ten minutes in. And he was too terrible. He wanted a spaceship movie that wasn't terrible. Didn't have terrible spaceships. He wanted a good spaceship that was awesome. But shaped the same. Called Star Wars. Um, uh, I love a Dark Star because the spaceship makes no sense. No, right. I love that. But see... Okay, if we just tell him that... He's still not going to like it. We're going to go, see, the spaceship doesn't make sense. That's why it's good. And he'll just go, nope. Ten minutes is my limit. I was describing, uh, you know, I was describing what this whole process was to my dad. Today, my dad's in town visiting me. And I was de- trying to describe Dark Star to him. So like, <laughs> if you can imagine, we watched Interstellar. And then it, after that, Kelly Wan suggested we all watch Dark Star for the next week. And this is what Dark Star is. It's a real science fiction movie. And I described to him what Dark Star is. And my dad's standing there looking at me with kind of a confused look on his face and I said and the alien it's it's kind of like a beach ball with and I went no it's not kind of it is a it is beach, beach ball, ball with feet and my dad 
his face lit up and he started laughing. And he immediately had joy. He's like, oh, I, I would love to see that movie. So I think I think that was a perfect... Yeah, it's like a 1920s Buster Keaton part. Right. Yeah. Uh, so as soon as I said that, as soon as I said that part of the movie, my dad uh, was like, yep, yeah, I'd, I'd love to... Beach ball, eh? Hmm. Yeah. Beach ball, eh? Yeah, see? So I anyway, for then... next week, what are we going to watch? Oh... Uh, Next week we're gonna watch something to do with Birdman, not uh, Beach. It's right. gonna be. Um, so, I, what Birdman inspired movie are we watching for next week's mini movie? All right, I have a backup, but my non-backup is my front up is the tall guy. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Really? All right. I haven't seen that in so many years. That's the Jeff Goldblum yeah, movie, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a tall. Oh yeah, let's do that. All right, all right. Tall guy. Oh man, I remember seeing that with my friend Yuri. I think. I mean, I saw that so many years ago. Love. And Emma Thompson's in it. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's do that. Kate Lemon. All right. Oh, I, I, Robin I, Atkinson's I, in it. Oh, I don't care. Let's do that. Yeah, I haven't seen the tall guy in so many years. Let's do that. It's cute. Well, I liked your goon thing. Like, it's like, all right, we made people see something like something a, a long bummer called Foxcatch or something. So let's make some, give him something good, like Goon. Like so. What inspired you to pick that? Where did you? I didn't even know you had ever seen that movie. Yeah, I know. I like it. It was a rental. I got to knock. I think it was the same night. Oh, man. I'm so excited because there's, there's a couple moments in that movie that I, con- that I always remember. Like that moment where, um, where the actress like, hands him like a glass of champagne or something and, and Emma Thompson immediately knows uh, they've been together. I mean, there's, there's a couple of... Uh, great- yeah great moments in that and they're doing elephant or something oh man mm. yeah let's do that do you remember the sex scene no i don't i okay. i i, I there are only a say. couple of images i remember from that movie and uh i would love a chance to revisit it kelly that's a, that's an inspired choice okay then i'll go with it since you sound yeah, yeah go with it go with your first choice dude you have such great instincts stop it that's awesome <laughs> i don't want people to be bored so I try to pick something. That's... They're not going to be bored because you're talking and they like hearing you talk. Yeah, I know. That means they're bored. I think they've gotten so – their bar's so low. I disagree. They love your voice. They're scraping the wall. Shut up. Oh, this is a great choice. Uh, this is this, – I don't even know when it was made. Tall guy. I get to watch it again this week. Uh, it's, a, it's a holiday week. I get to find – I get to – I'm going to order this movie and watch it. Ah, I'm so excited. Kelly. Fire can watch it with her mom. And not feel dumb. <laughs> yeah, we'll get fired to watch the tall guy with her mom. That's awesome. I almost I would watch her watch it with her mom, like watch goon, like watch the mom. I don't know. I you know I I'm with you on that. I would I, you know having met her mom, I would love to watch fire watch goon with her mom. It's like the same reason I like seeing walkouts, like during Watchmen when the dick comes out. It's like <sighs> nice cool view people's heads shaking as they move out towards the exit <laughs> yeah when the blue dick comes out <laughs> remember that scene <laughs> who doesn't who doesn't remember their first blue dick did you just see rudy that's such a good line fuck jim baruchel's genius did you see <laughs> that's so good come on why why is it? i'm upset not only that I didn't pick that movie, Goon, as the best on my list, but like like you said, like it didn't win Oscars. Fury. Well, it, it wouldn't even have been considered. It's just the That's wrong what I'm thing. saying. That's what kind of sick world we live in. 
Yeah. Well, Moon and Dark Star are considered terrible by that Academy member who wrote in. I think what Sean William Scott is doing in Goon is really, really hard to do. And yeah. he does it effortlessly. Um, and I think it's a really daring and difficult performance. And I think he's awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. So for next week, uh, our next, our, our main, sorry, our, our, our mini movie club movie is going to be The Tall Guy. I'm so happy you chose that, Kelly. Ah. Um, for next week, our actual movie was suggested by um, one Tom Chick. Um, and he had to say it to me three times and spell it out for me. This movie is called The Babadook. So, which he picked after we tried to get him interested in Chef, which you're, is your thing, right? Um, it's something that, you know, I was looking for something because, you know, we don't want to see uh, horrible bosses. There's nothing uh, coming out this week that's worth seeing. Rocky J. Um, on. <laughs> so I was definitely looking for something that we could see that would be on video on demand or on DVD. And Chef is something we've had in our back pocket for a while because we always keep a couple of movies that, you know, these are movies we've been waiting for for a really slow weekend to see. So it's just a Chef. And, and Tom just looked at me and went, hold on a second. And then he suggested this movie <laughs> called The Babadook. And The Babadook, I know nothing about it, but this is as it should be. Um, I don't really pay attention to movies that I'm not allowed to see. Right. Um, so The Babadook is apparently available on video on demand. So that's how we will see it. Uh, the Babadook is, I think, an Australian movie, and that's about all I know about it. Mm, that's actually a good sign. Yeah, it's a very good sign. They seem to know. Something that's vying for my number this year. Ooh. So, yeah. What? Spoiler alert. So, uh, Baba Duke, it's spelled B A B A D O O K. Um, yeah. So, please join us next week um, to see, to talk about a movie called <laughs> The Baba Duke. And uh, we will talk about The Baba Duke for most of the podcast. I can't stop saying The Baba Duke because it just sort of, once you start saying it, you can't stop saying it. Kind of like eating. Are you sure you're saying it right? Uh, no, I'm not. Until we see it, I'm pretty certain I'm not saying it correctly. Did he see it, or did he just find the title arbitrarily? And he's like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I have no okay. idea. I just know that he. We don't know who's in it. We don't know what it's about. We know nothing about it. We just know that we are going to be talking about it next week. Um, we're going to be talking about that, and then we will be talking about uh, something called the Tall Guy. Then we'll stop so, talking. Then we will stop talking just as we are about to do now. Uh, my name is uh, Christian Morosky. This is the Quarter 3 Movie Podcast. Uh, please uh, follow us on uh, Twitter at, at Quarter3.com. You can follow me, Dingus underscore X. Um, and uh, like us on Facebook as well, our Quarter to 3 Movie page, or just Quarter3.com. And uh, I, so I'm Christian Morosky. I've been joined by Kelly Wand. I don't have a Facebook page. <laughs> what? But surely, surely you have a Twitter. What's your Twitter? What's the difference? Which one's which? What's the blue one? That's R.E.M. Oh, how dare you.
Dingus the Babadook's going to be my favorite superhero movie of the year, I predict. Hey, you're becoming a trending topic. Just because I'm wearing these. Speaking of smelling like balls. (laughs) 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 All right. Um, uh, (laughs) Oh!